0: Hello and welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. I'm Gemma Cray and I'm chatting with director Connor McMahon about his hilarious gore fest. Let the wrong one in. So thank you so much for chatting with us, Connor. No problem. It was such a gorgeous film. It's so funny. It's very vintage, but a modern twist. Uh, tell me a little bit about how this came to fruition.
1: Um. Well, I think... For a while, I had the idea of a vampire set in Dublin, just the character, you know, it seemed like something that would be funny. Like it made me laugh. The idea of a Dublin vampire, it seemed like something I hadn't really seen or something that we should have, you know, like considering we've got Bram Stoker wrote Dracula. It seemed fitting that, you know, Ireland should have some kind of vampire character. And it's like, what would a modern version of that be set in Dublin? Um, I think it also sort of came out of, like a lot of the films I've made up to now, for some reason I've set in the countryside, like I'm from Dublin, I grew up in Dublin. And I was like, I have to make something that's in my area of where I grew up. And um, because sometimes I'm writing stuff down the countryside and I'm not from there. And I just don't I wouldn't have the same grasp of the dialogue or the turn of phrase. So this was fun to just go, okay, I'm home. It's like where I live it's like you're absorbing that stuff from your environment you know the dialogue or what people are you're on a bus and you're getting sort of oh that's you know that could be a funny line and you go home put it in the script so
0: it was it was sort of a mix of that yeah it's fabulous and actually it it harks back to your earlier days to your zombie bashers where you know there was a real Dublin characters in that as well and and again it's 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 taking kind of what we see in cinemas, a well-worn thread and putting it in somewhere that's new and relatable to us as a viewer, but also hilariously funny.
1: Yeah, because and it was always a kind of there was always a question of how much it would travel or how much it would. Because the accents are strong and they kind of had to be um, because that's part of the humor, you know, just how they talk. Um, but it was it was something right from the start. It was like, this is the only way to make this. I think, you know, or it's certainly the way that makes me laugh. Um, and yeah, so so it was baked into the pie from the beginning.
0: And and how what was the like, did people get that it's very local? And then as a result of it being local, it translated or was there a sticking point with certain things? Like even for a local audience, there was so much humor jam packed that I heard jokes being missed laughing. Like, it's almost yeah. like there was like a joke per minute, per minute, per minute. There was almost like you nearly benefited from, like, you know, the beat and the the crack the, yeah,
1: the yeah. nearly where people are like, oh, yeah. Well, I th- I th- that probably comes from when I started working in Republic of Telly. Um, and I remember writing my first scripts. and James Cotter, who was the producer on that show, he'd come over and he'd have his red pen and anything that wasn't a joke he would cross out you know so like you might have a character say hi how's it going and it's like gone it's just like give me a setup and a joke a setup and a joke and it always impressed me how many jokes you could cram in you know something you know if um so I'd say subconsciously it kind of came from just because I I mean I worked on that for four or five years so it must have influenced me in some way it's just that feeling of like yeah what's the next thing we're trying to get to you know.
0: Yeah. And it was a lovely mix. There's a mix of like physical humour, back and forth, like snappy dialogue, references, like kind of character interactions, character. Like it's a lovely sort of cocktail of different kinds of humour. So, you know, you're not getting slapped with the same sort of repetitive jokes over and over which makes it very interesting you kind of feel like as a viewer you you're on you you kind of have to be on your toes to catch everything like and it's not saying that there's stuff to be missed it's saying that it's so rich and so dense that there's a lot in there humor wise
1: true well like part of that as well it probably came from the long development process there was I mean there were other sort of um you know, the actors were kind of involved in the stages because i had cast them quite early on. So sometimes I'd get them together we'd improv scenes and, and you know, um, out of that sometimes jokes would come. Like I was living, I mean, this is five years ago now when I started it, but like my housemate at the time was a writer and, you know, I'd be coming out and bouncing ideas off him. And again, it was just, like you say, the stuff absorbed from the environment that was, um, so there was a lot of my stuff but also a lot of other people's sort of uh stuff as well all mixed together you know over over a t- two or three year development period you know yeah.
0: so this started off as like a fun concept that then you were kind of like teasing out tell me when funders started to get involved and when did you again bring people on in a very firm way how did how did that happen um well, i think
1: so i wrote the first draft quite quickly um like maybe two weeks or something, um, and it was a bit different. Like it was about two friends, um, but the the concept of a vampire coming to someone's house and, and hanging around and not leaving you know that was that was the sort of core idea, um, and then in terms of. Um, God, what was the? I've I've lost track of the question. What was the question again?
0: Yeah, yeah, but like, when did like a, sort of how? Oh, did funders. Yeah, yeah, funders, yeah, yeah, mainly, yeah, mainly, but yeah, also yeah. collaborators like Michael Lavelle and and act. You were saying the actors became involved at an earlier stage, and you're developing it. Then, kind of like, yes. how did it sort of form? Just walk me through that, because I think it's yeah. very, very interesting. Yeah.
1: So basically, when I had the script, I it's this weird thing. Um, because it was set in a house with two characters mainly. I I was very convinced that I could make it, you know, um, even if no one gave me money. And I almost feel that has to be the basis for it. It's actually been if I look at all the films I've made and not made, they've always started with that premise that I somewhere I kind of think it's going to be I can make this myself if no one helps me. And so just with that in mind, it starts you behaving like it's going to get made and so the first step for me was okay i need to start casting these actors you know so so i just and i was like I'm gonna shoot a promo and, and i suppose that was another thing it was like the promo would show people the kind of humor because sometimes you could read that script and i uh, you know i remember getting notes one or two times of going geez this deck was very unlikable like you know everyone's gonna hate him because he's so mean but i knew if it was played with the right
0: tone you know tone because there's a cheeky chancer charm that yeah, I yeah. It. but it's like I'll always say that that's like Sharon Horgan if you delivered her lines in any other way she would just be like this this you know in, in catastrophe she'd be the cold hardest cruelest bitch going yeah yeah She's so charming and funny like she could say anything yeah yeah exactly like there's just
1: this, just that way And I, but like I so I knew I had to kind of sell that idea I guess so so we started out doing auditions back in film base, you know, um, and that's where we found Owen, um, Owen Duffy. And so the second actor was harder because it was, again, it was initially two friends. So we did a lot of casting always with somebody the same age and it just never worked. Like I could never, you know, it was almost like, you know, someone's close, but it's something, it just, it's, i have never had that problem where it's just not working not working and i couldn't figure out it just it wasn't funny or something and then carl came in by mistake because michael had worked with him on something else and um he just suggested he'd come along but he was like in my head at the time totally the wrong age he was only 15 and um uh and but i was like there he is bring him in And, and then it was just that Oh my God, the minute they started bouncing off each other, I think Carl just brought this, you know, that innocent thing with a kid. And it kind of reminded me of, maybe it just reminded me of those Spielbergy movies or it added just that other dimension of, of um, the way he reacted to finding out Decca was a vampire was more like fascination, you know? And, oh my God, like, you know, and when I just saw his eyes kind of twinkling, like at the idea that I was like, oh, I have to, this has to be the way to capture this. And then it was like, oh, they sh- maybe they should be brothers because, you know, um, and so that totally changed. So just shooting that promo, uh, I went home and I totally rewrote the script so that it would be brothers. Like I remember after that audition just going, I have it now, like we know what it is. It's gonna be two brothers and and you guys are gonna play the parts, you know? Um. So it was nice to shoot the promo and um yeah then the only issue was just the length of time it took them to but that said actually very quickly filled the film board expressed interest very early on so first draft we sent in they saw the promo they kind of got the idea uh, of what we were trying to do and so we just started development of the script you know which can take a while but you know the yeah it was just carl getting older we were always like i hope he still you know maintains that sort of innocence you know and uh Yeah, every few months I had to check in with him again. And, you know, sometimes he'd be getting braces or something and be like, okay, is that going to be a problem? And then but then it would just like the years would pass. It's like, okay,
0: you know, he caught him just before retirement. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. 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 But that's that's fascinating. And there's a yeah, there's a lovely chemistry. That's one of the selling points between the pair. Like, Carol, that kind of it's almost like the straight guy where he is the audience but like yes. you know, a little bit more knowing and clued in. And then I think you used the theme of blood is thicker than water. That's a, that's a kind of a big selling point. And you know, how much are you willing to put up with? And it actually makes a lot of sense for the plot for them to be related. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, yeah. Totally. You're on board immediately. Like that dynamic is, is so familiar and, and yes. that kind of exhaustiveness. Yeah.
1: It's almost like, it's the weird thing about making films. It's like people always say you have to be kind of open, you know, because, it's like it's almost telling you what way to make the film. You know, it's like, you know, that's so mad. Carl shows up, and it and you know it completely changes the course of the script. And but you could easily have just go, no, he's wrong. You know, and 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 that that's what I had. So it's it's sort of like you, you kind of have to just you're always being pushed and pulled by things that may appear at the time wrong or or not what you expected. But um, it's sort of. It's sort of almost making itself at some point, you know.
0: Yeah, and and then I suppose the momentum, the wheels of momentum, <laughs> as they yeah. they're turning, and then Anthony Head. Oh my God, what a perfect because. The nostalgic feel of this as well, like, you know, the gore, the 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 visuals, like everything, even though it is a modern setting, the jokes are very modern, the characters are modern. But like there's such nostalgia through it and it's mm-hmm. so enjoyable to watch. And then Anthony Head, like for, for those of us of a certain age, like he's yeah. iconic in the world
1: of vampires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and it was and, and like, I mean, he told us he hadn't done a vampire thing since Buffy, which i I surprised by. For some reason, I thought he must show up in. Low budget vampire comedy films all the time, um. But like he hadn't done one since, and uh, something about he, he, you know, he he liked the script, and um, yeah, no, he, I, you know, I remember having that conversation. It's like Connor, you have to go in and talk to Anthony at three o'clock today, and like that was going to be the phone call that you know he'll decide or not, you know. And you're kind of going, do I mention Buffy? Do I not mention Buffy? Uh, You know. Um, so, but yeah, no, it was great. It was great to have him. It's, it's like once his name came up, it, it was like it has to be him, you know, it, it sort of felt like who else could it be after that, you know.
0: I know. And the UK accent as well settles more into our into our world easier. Like yes. I, something like I remember, you know, like someone like some like a US star. Like it's, it, the U.S. accent is so jarring in context of films sometimes, like. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it's so funny, like the English one just sits in. It's just it's just part of that world and you don't even question it. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, but tell me a little bit about uh, then getting the, the kind of finance together to shoot. So when, I mean, I presume it would be if you have a few shekels behind you, if you're landing Anthony Head, like, did, did you get the money first? Did you pitch it? Did you pitch him along? Is it co-pro funding? Like, where does this come um, from? So I guess in
1: terms of the structure of that, it was film board, BAI, RTE, MPI, who were like the sales company, and Section 481. Um, I think that's, I don't think I'm missing that in there. So that's, that's kind of how it was structured, Um, which is almost the simplest way to kind of make one of these films. Um. And so, yeah, like before going to Anthony or anything, that was all after like we all we kind of knew that funding was in place. You know, I mean, the biggest impediment obviously was COVID happening around that time and just sort of dealing with that. And, you know, you know, obviously he was the older actor on the set and we wanted to, you know, I, I mean, in a way it's sort of like the uh, one annoying thing about covid like the plus was you know everyone was super organized and and you know there was no people hanging around chatting on set you know which which actually weirdly like i thought it would slow the process down it was like this is very efficient now you know this is um no chatting no messing you know but there was there's obviously a social element that you miss like you know hanging out with the crew or cast or you know that 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 um you might have got to know them better or whatever like some guys you know they take their mask off at the end of the shoot and i go who are you
0: like i i don't know i've never i've never seen your face you know there's so many people that like that you'd see them from there up and then actually when you see their whole face you're like that's not what i thought you'd look like at all how did they even imagine their whole face and it's a completely different face totally Yeah, yeah 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 But yeah, imagine working alongside somebody to get that. And it's quite, you know, like it's a close quarters set as well. There's like Mm. like a lot of it does take place in the house.
1: Yeah, that's why I mean, we did pick a, a, a relatively big house, you know, so it was easier to film. I mean, I just there was two things. It was like from other films I've done, like when the house is too small, we needed a house we could trash and not have you know, the owner of the house come in every evening going, Oh my God. Like I, I, I've, I remember on stitches, you know, sometimes we'd have, there was a scene, a party scene and there was supposed to be like vomit in the sink or something or whatever fake vomit. like, and the owner would come home and like, we'd leave it there for continuity for the next day. And they'd come home and think we're just animals. Do you know what I mean? And it, it was just like, so stressful. Like, so for this, we found a house that w- was like being sold or renovated. So it was literally like you know do whatever you want and then we'll just clean it up at the end so it just meant we could because then you start like not wanting to throw blood around the place because you got you know you you really have to restrain yourself so on this it was like just do whatever you want
0: very interesting um and where was it actually that wasn't in glass nevin wasn't um no it was beggar's bush okay i just i was trying to pinpoint so the locations were very interesting as well i loved the courthouse. Uh, yes. <laughs> the crypt. <laughs> who landed that one I did a good old chork with that yeah yeah so that yeah i mean
1: they were all in and around dublin you know so we were like yeah transylvania's dublin castle you know um and uh yeah the the, the bram stoker museum for the for the end scene you know that's clontarf so that felt like it kind of felt fitting as well you know that we were filming in that place um but yeah, it was just about yeah, how many spooky places can you find around Dublin? And it was, I mean, again, it was because it was lockdown when we were filming Dublin Castle. There was no traffic on the streets, so it just in terms of coordinating it. I remember it was just like, um, it was quite easy, you know.
0: Yeah, because Ship Street, I, I think I caught that in there.
1: Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. There was
0: um like that looks brilliant as Transylvania as well like one of those little ones and then I was like how did you get it so quiet I was thinking that did you film at like ridiculous o'clock in the morning but yeah of course it was just like no traffic yeah yeah brilliant and um, so casting was great tell me about uh, Mary Murray because she I thought she was amazing in this she's the perfect villain yeah yeah like Mary came in
1: very early I think even when I was doing the promo I might have done auditions, which certainly did saw Mary very early. And she came in, you know, dressed in, dressed up as a vampire, you know, um, you know, really like, you know, her enthusiasm for it was sort of obvious, you know, Um, and kind of, yeah. So it was like, like it might've been a year or two later when we actually got to get back to fully casting the movie but I think she always stuck in her head um and yeah no one else seemed to kind of sort of fit it in the same way you know and I think she kind of got the yeah, yeah just the humor of it and uh and uh, uh, that kind of thing so yeah no she was great yeah and I went to see her in a play as well I remember where she was playing I think a witch or something like that and and after I saw that play I was like oh yeah she'd be good for
0: this she is she's fabulous like it she was real i don't know like she really encapsulated the villain but yeah caught a bit of humor and humanity to her a little bit like you know like she like it's kind of cartoonish role but i i kind of thought she had a grounded nature of it it, yeah yeah and she's so
1: lovely as well like it's like the cast were just so nice on this do you know what i mean um
0: they're just fun to be around and to kind of play play around with you know Brilliant. So like that as well, would you let people improvise and mess around on set? Would you have the space or with COVID, were you restricted in a way that way a little bit? Um, Like
1: I suppose you always want to. What what tends to happen or what did happen with this, we improvise a lot in rehearsals and a lot beforehand. And a lot of that would be sort of put into the script. Um, So we definitely... The lads used to laugh at me. I'd just say, go on, riff riff one there, lads yourselves, you know, <laughs> and then go. Um, so, I, I, I mean, Anthony wasn't big on improv um, in the same way the two lads would be. So when we were doing scenes with those guys, we probably stuck closer to the script, you know. Um, uh, yeah, because sometimes you're just trying to, you know, because, you know, different actors are into different things, you know. But Anthony would would come up with, you know, stuff. But it would generally be written down and we kind of know what we're doing. Um, But we did lots of improv uh, leading up to it and just finding the right way to tell the joke. Because sometimes, you know, there's jokes like when he's trying to hypnotize Matt, you know, there's there's a bit there. But like we played that joke lots of different ways in improv you know, where you think Matt's more hypnotized than it. But anyway, you know what I mean? You just find ways until eventually you go, okay, that's the funniest version of it, you know? And so, yeah, I think it's the right way to do it because you have a lot of time or it's just relaxed, you know, when, when you're, when you're doing it earlier. Um, but on set, it's just, you just never have enough time, you know? And we did, we did try some improv stuff, um bits and pieces um, but i think yeah the majority of it was was scripted by the time we we started shooting
0: and this is one of the things that i thought about this film that i think a lot of films in this genre don't have In that it's funny from the beginning and middle and right through to the end, even though you have like an emotional hook underpinning the whole thing and the relationship with the brothers and the conflict building. And then you have that natural arc. But yet, like there's still consistently that same beat for beat consistent jokes the whole way and you would be laughing and they're sort of fresh Like, yeah, yeah. that's one of the things that I was like when I when I saw it done on screen that way, I was like, you know, that's very, very good. Like, and and like even the set piece, it's so ridiculous. It didn't kind of like put that aside to go focus on plot or anything like that. Like those jokes are still continuously there, which I really enjoyed. And but you did you did touch on all those bases. You did get that emotional arc, the character growth. Everything is is present. But I'm just wondering, did anything change like writing wise you were saying like the dynamics between the brothers changed did you know these are the themes you were going to address did anything change in that kind of free um, like
1: i'd i'd say like like right from the start i always knew what i wanted the film to be about like the crux of it and it was the it was the scene um really where where anthony's going um uh you know, Matt's complaining about Deco all the time. You know what I mean? I, 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 Anthony says, or yeah, Anthony calls him an idiot. You know, and, and Matt thinks he's talking to Deco, and 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 Anthony's character saying, no, no, it's you. You're an idiot. You let him in. You giving him blood. You're the. And so for me, because this was a something I, in my own life where you know sometimes you have friends or, or people in your life and they you're complaining about them all the time because they're whatever taking up your time or taking advantage of you or, or whatever and and I, I mean i was complaining to a friend and he said and and i was like he's an idiot and my friend said to me who's an idiot and said, this guy and he's like who's an idiot and then it dawned on me like oh my god i'm the idiot i'm i'm answering the call i'm doing the thing i'm going along with everything they say and it's like in that moment I was like freed from it. I was like, oh my God, I don't have to answer that phone when it rings. And I think that was what I, I wanted to put that idea in the film that um, the vampire is just doing what a vampire does, you know what I mean? He's just drinking blood. He's like, you know, like he's just being himself in a way. Um, but Matt's the one uh, who's who let him in the door and it's sort of to get that realization. Um, and I think just having that, it's like, okay, having that to hold on to meant that you know sometimes you get notes and scripts and maybe it could be this direction or this and it's like no it always has to be this is what i'm building towards and him kind of taking control like sort of asserting himself um uh and and then finding a new a new dynamic i guess in the end so yeah, that was that was always at the heart of it. And then the jokes, yeah, it's funny you're saying the jokes because I, I've watched the film again in different festivals in Europe. And I always thought like, the, you know, at the end of the second act, I was missing a few jokes. But then when I watched it in Dublin, I was like, oh, it's just, there's a lot of verbal, it just goes into a bit of verbal humor that they might not have gotten, do you know what I mean? So I was like, oh yeah, there's like more jokes than I, than I remember, like just the turn of phrase, you know?
0: Yeah, because it is, and 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 again, they're like it's a big set piece, and there's there's sort of a lot of ridiculous things happening as well. Um, the the situation of the bridesmaids and the hens going to Romania, and then them being the sort of antagonist, yes. <laughs> antagonistic yeah. force throughout the whole thing, was hilarious. Because sure, I think yeah. that's the thing where everything is so familiar and then you actually put it in this context. And I'm like, yeah, they are an antagonistic force. Whenever you go anywhere, you're like, oh, God, like I know yeah. you have been them. Like we've been in then, Harney, and you are just like wrecking everything. Um, so yeah, it's, just, it's yeah. a really funny choice.
1: I guess it was kind of like the Sheila character as well. She's like, because um, I didn't want to make the vampires just about an addiction thing or they're kind of more just like narcissistic uh, selfish type people and that just manifests in different sort of forms you know and you know she's like you know off cheating on her husband you know pleasure seeking you know doing what she wants you know whatever so it's it's sort of I, I was yeah I was more just trying to see what are and, and also like I say yeah very things that are very recognizable from from Dublin, like that pink Homer that they drive around in like you know
0: like it's perfect and and tell me a little bit about um were there any darlings that had to to die either in the writing process shoot or edit?
1: like I really fought for most of my sequences like um like there were definitely ones that were um talked about being cut, you know, like the car chase thing because you know we had someone on wires flying around and there was God, maybe, you know, the wires are going to create shadows and it's going to be impossible to rub them out and, you know, this kind of thing. So there was um, the carriage scene almost like I was really fighting for that carriage. I was like, um, you know, I get a horse from Grafton Street if you have to, you know. I mean, the one thing I did lose was um, I wanted another night shoot because I I kind of wanted when... um, sheila arrives at the house that it's sort of darkness in darkness and you know it was like i don't know the budget just wouldn't stretch for one more night shoot and then it was like oh i have to rewrite that during the day and you know it would it wasn't as spooky as i probably wanted it to be like because there's there's a scene in lost boys i always love where the vampires show up outside the house and you you just hear all these motorbikes going around and lights in the window and it's smoky and it's you know that i was like "Mm, i want that kind of a, a rival you know um but yeah sometimes you're just like okay I'll, how do i sort of you know re- rework that you know
0: um and like that if you had been given more say money or more time to like maneuver things or like an extra someone had been like oh i i found an extra good chunk of change in the budget is there anything that you would have liked to have added to it or extended a bit more um I think you could, I, I mean, I could
1: definitely have, um, and this was a product of COVID as well, was um, the club scene. You know, we could have probably had more lights and smoke. Like we were we were only allowed like 15 people um, because of COVID. And it was like, how oh am I going to, so I had to green screen people and stick them in. And, you know, there was a bit, of, a bit of that that had to be done. But, you know, that could have been a, you know, bigger, you know, uh, or even just an exterior off of it, you know, you could have built something that's a bit more. Uh...
0: The course is, is perfect. <laughs> 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 like it's so because it's such a recognisable building, and you're like, yeah. oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, like maybe like before? that's the thing. Like yeah. <laughs> I don't you know, know, like that for me. Every every time I saw that on screen, I was just laughing. And if you know, you know. And if you don't know it's you're just like oh what an impressive scary building <laughs> yeah
1: yeah exactly you see this is the thing maybe more money doesn't really help you you know you you sort of um you know it's like when you it's like when you george lucas gets to do what he wants you know it's never as good as when you're sort of scrapping around for um what you're trying to do but um yeah i don't know i guess i do not um more blood you know
0: <laughs> a bigger blood budget <laughs> yeah um
1: uh, certainly more like um uh maybe more a
0: special effects stuff you know no i loved i uh, loved the kind of naff yeah buying the city special effects like i thought that added a lot to like that kind of like cheesiness that yeah yeah it was something
1: we talked about you know it was always the intention to kind of how do we keep it so it's fun you know what i mean and it kind of feels a little like it's almost like if you had all the money in the world it wouldn't be as good you know it's like and and that gave us leeway because sometimes when you're working with affects people and stuff they're always trying to do it the best version of it and it'd be like look it's it's it doesn't have to be perfect that's not what we're going for you know so that's i mean that's what always uh like we i mean you obviously try and make it be, be as good as it can be but it it or maybe it almost gave me the confidence to do those sequences that otherwise might seem crazy like you know like a car chase with a bat coming around and i'm almost like Whatever way this lands, you know, if we just attempt it, you know, it'll probably land okay. You know,
0: and you and know? half bat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> half person. I think that's the most enjoyable part of it. Um, yeah. So tell me a little bit about then the edit process and then the sound effects and putting everything together. Did anything sort of like what was there? Were there any surprises there? Because if like, you're an editor yourself yes um so like for me yeah the editing was interesting
1: because i i had almost shot a lot of the film um with i just mean with um like me and some actors and sometimes some of the guys and sometimes friends and like because i had the house in advance and we had this six months of a lockdown i kind of you know uh acted out a lot of the scenes um and uh So basically, I had a really good idea of how it was all going to cut together, you know, so sometimes that leaves, uh, you know, you you know, you hear these stories about people who get into the edit room and, you know, they discover the film or they've got like so much footage like, um, you know, they've got it's it's a four hour cut. It, like, wake
0: up, Ron Burgundy. See, so you've let the wrong one in too. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah ex- exactly. Exactly. Like that just didn't exist on this. Do you know what I mean? It was almost like the the, the first edit was. I don't know. It was a bit longer, but it was like maybe one hundred and twenty minutes long. You know. But um, uh, but like uh, Brian Philip Davis, who was the editor. You know, he did a really good job because even though I have you know my version of it, um. You know, there is something about just someone who, who's a, like I am an editor, but it's nice to have just a fresh idea. And, and he even, like, uh, I think he picked that Franz Ferdinand track for the start, or it could have been him or Ruth were or, or into the music more. But, I, but you know, when that landed and and just seeing him cut to the rhythm of that, you know, that, that I hadn't quite figured out how that would work. Um, And then just tightening it, tightening it up and stuff. But I'm usually pretty good at kind of, like I don't mind cutting stuff out, you know, and um, if people kind of feel it's something is too slow or too boring or, or, or anything like that but um but yeah yeah I think I think because we'd filmed a lot of it it just meant we could uh, like I probably shot what I needed do you know what I mean like I didn't really uh, because there was those sequences are quite complicated like like for example the the um the bat I keep talking about the bat chasing but like we previs that so, like, on the day, it was literally like, I just need the bit where the vampire looks, up. Oh, got it. Now, I just need the bit. You know what I mean? Because we knew all the bits would put together because we'd already done it. So it wasn't the case of just shooting loads of stuff and then trying to cut it together. It was, and it was also because there were so many elements in that. Like, you know, a single shot might have, you know, it might have the car driving, the fake bat, the, the, the a green screen bit, the actors, you know, so you almost had to know how it was all going to piece together so, so you could schedule it, you know?
0: Yeah. Very, well, very interesting. And obviously there's a lot of kind of troubleshooting that happens. Mm, yeah. Like, yeah. Your mind coming up to this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Like- yeah. You, Yeah. Trying to figure that stuff out is fun, you know? Um, Cause we, we didn't know how to do deco as a bat head, you know? So we would do versions of like, um, you know, do we put a, a, uh, a puppet head look you know and what's the size of that head and you know but like we used a fake like we actually ordered a plastic bat with had mechanical wings so that is a it's that like the the head is green screened but the actual bat is a real bat that we filmed on green screen and we would basically play the scene and the person would watch it and puppeteer the bat so it would maneuver in the right way you know, so then when you fitted it in. But it was nice to do that. You know, it was nice to have a, a real bat with flapping wings and you'd be moving that around.
0: So when you um when you come to your characters as well, because I'm totally picturing Natalie as as a bat, and then Natalie again, you were saying the narcissistic personality um yes. that, that 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 is exactly in there. How do you like like do you ever envisage the bigger world is it always like this is for this story this might be something that I'll go back to in another couple of years um because I do love that world where you're like actually yeah it's it's you know something that's drawn to these sort of like vaguely toxic people um do you mean this story like with these
1: characters
0: yeah like so if you if you like have you kind of created a, a wider universe in your mind you know like side characters would this be something that you could revisit is I this i mean i definitely
1: wrote you know uh oh if this was a series here's here's 10 possible episode ideas you know they, they raid the blood bank or they you know um I can't remember off the top of my head but like i did write those down it was like oh that could certainly work as, as that type of thing and then separately um I was talking to a friend of mine just about the idea of the taxi service, you know, that operates, because I like the idea of, you know, taxis, they they always know what's going on in the city. They kind of know what's happening at night. They they have just something where they're slightly, you know, they, they see an underground version of the city that people might not be aware of, you know. And so it, it always struck me that the taxi drivers could all, there's also a world there that you know, you could explore the supernatural side of Dublin. You know, at night. Um, so there's a there's a couple of ideas there. Yeah, yeah. But I haven't sat down to to ponder them out.
0: Because yeah. just when you were saying those things, I was like, actually, they're very kind of formulated ideas. That's that feel very tangible. That I'm just I'm just curious to like when you're creating this, does it exist in a vacuum, or have you kind of allowed your mind to like really exist in that world?
1: Yeah, because in a way like that is the hard part done like like i can get like those two guys the two actors for example and like even the the end does a little scene where they're on the phones to each other like we shot that in like one take five minutes you know and it's just because they know who they are they know what they're playing just give them you know the basics of it and and off they go like so um there's like sometimes you're you know you're struggling to find that dynamic it's it's like a dynamic like how these characters interact is is often very hard to find or figure out or um so yeah um so yeah maybe I should I need to get on that
0: <laughs> yeah do a few like comic books in the meantime you
1: yeah, know and yeah, yeah. their
0: proof of concept but they could just be comic but like I don't know because I kind of think yeah. it's a very interesting world and they're very interesting premises and sort of in a way that I hadn't seen it Exactly before, like playing on the cliches in a self-aware way, but then you know, like it's it's so familiar as well. I don't know, I really worked for me anyway. (laughs) Um, So what so you were saying that it's screened a lot at different festivals around where did you find different places and different crowds picked up on different things? Because the horror fans would be, you know, very different from say the Galway film flat people. Yeah. Um
1: like some of the festivals are, you know, there's uh, like Brussels this is a crazy festival. Like that was great, you know, because the audience, it's basically I don't know if you know the audience over there, but they, you know, they have all these cues for movies. So basically they clap for all the credits. If they see a moon, they start howling. They, um, you know, if someone leaves a door open, they start shouting The, you know, so there's a real um it's a real high-energy screening, and the thing is, if you've made a very serious slow movie, they still react like that, you know. But they'll kind of ruin the buzz of the movie, you know. Whereas so this, is,
0: this is this is just their film festival, like their kind of national film festival that they have, or is that for like a horror thing? Um, or...
1: It's no Biff, so it's the. Brussels International Fantasy Film Festival. Okay, like so
0: so it is that genre thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the Picture, genre like festival. people getting
1: really into it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they properly go wild, you know. And so like a film like this is kind of perfect for it, you know, because they'll they're sort of primed, you know. Um, you know, they. Uh, I remember like they start cheering for the RT logo at the start, and it's like, <laughs> okay, this is going to be good, you know. <laughs> um, and then. You know, Sid Chains is good because they translate all the films. So basically, they're, they've are they got subtitles, basically. So they, in a way, they're getting the jokes, um, you know. So the ones I, um, and then Glasgow would get the jokes as well, you know. So it's the ones, there was one or two where, I can't remember, where uh, Germany, where they just play the English version, uh, you know, because they, you know, speak English and German. But I think that was the one where they probably just wouldn't have got it you know because it's a it's a hard version of English to to sort of take in you know
0: it's very regionalized and and yeah. it's a very specific type of humor as well you know yeah. like that you're that there's a lot of references that I don't know like I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Germany has them all I Probably be cut out <laughs> but like it's not like they're known for their hilarity you know yeah, 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 individual yeah, yeah. germans are quite funny <laughs> yeah they're not necessarily known for that yeah, so I yeah, wonder, totally is, yeah. Is, is, is that part of it and it and like and again it's such a kind of different flavor of it i love um one of the things that i thought was really funny was uh, anthony head's character uh how dry he was yeah and but that did evolve like because a part of the lockdown
1: this is what was good where we had we got shut down and we had these six months and it just and and as i was saying i i was shooting bits of the film and just um just with friends and video cameras and just to get like i always remember when i am reading about how they did aladdin you know and when they were making aladdin they you know they do I suppose for all animations. So, you know, they do a very rough storyboard, but it's like a video storyboard, you know, where they put in the voices and they watch it. And I remember the, the, like, you know, when they done that, they realized, I think Aladdin had a mother or something and they watched it and they go, Oh God, no, we don't need that mother character. So, so, so it was weird because I did that for the film and I watched my sort of hour long version of it. Like, and I, you, you just start to feel the, the rhythm and when it's lagging and stuff. And, and what used to happen is Anthony's character was thrown out in the shed and he kind of stayed out there. And I really felt him missing from the film. So I was like, oh, why not just put him into the room with the three lads? You know, so he's just there, even if he doesn't have all the lines all the time, even just his reactions. But then, and because he was there, we started at giving him more stuff to do. So I think that was like, I'm really glad I made that decision you know because it was kind of late in the day and yeah because even Anthony the first version he read because I remember saying oh I liked being stuck out in the shed <laughs> you know um but uh but yeah a lot of the fun stuff came out of just the three of them kind of bouncing off each other
0: because there is there's a very specific dynamic there's the kind of like slightly simple but straight guy guy, got mm-hmm. the, the kind of charming narcissist character and then that that kind of earnest deadpan sarcastic yeah. thing, yeah, like it's yeah, it's yeah. really lovely kind of triptych of of contrast that that like adds to the chemistry instead of like one person being a spare tool. So it's like it's yeah super, yeah super yeah. fun dynamic and it's even just, it's just fun watching Anthony Head yeah. just exist.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and I liked when they gave him uh, a kind of a nastier edge. You know, I I think that was like my housemate again. I have to give him credit, Mike him you know we are working together, and I think one of his ideas was why doesn't he? You know, Anthony, he pulls the teeth out, but he does it for a vindictive reason, <laughs> like just to. Like I thought that was kind of a clue that he he wasn't just helping him. He was like, well, I'm gonna, you know, he's got a little bit of a streak, you know, a sinister streak to him, and and also his boring side. And and Anthony, like he properly did research into, you know, he he talked to friends who, uh, were in train like clubs and stuff, you know, so he he got those particular phrases you know um and you know so that was so there was a you know it was nice to see him sort of uh really try and uh you know bring his own ideas to it
0: so what would be next on the to-do list so that's like part of the bucket list vampire film thing ticked would you continue down this path and go deeper into that is there a different area that you'd like to cover um yeah i think it's like anything you do one film and then you
1: sort of feel compelled to do something slightly different like because i'd done a more straight one before it is and then it was like okay i need to want to get back into the comedy horror and then now i i guess what i've tried to do now is just write be writing more stuff so it's not just one thing um like i have never done a ghost story you know so that sort of is pulling me a little bit i, I mean i haven't found the idea yet but it's just, I've realized I haven't done that. Um, and then there's this, I mean, there's another slasher. I mean, I always love the slasher genre. Um, so there's been one in development for a couple of years now. God, I was, I mean, I had a meeting with the writers earlier today and it's 11 years since that started. So like that project. Um, and I think we're finally going, I think we've got it now. I think we've, just about cracked it you know well, but I mean I'm
0: play for you for like <laughs> pushing that I'd say yeah. like projects like that you kind of feel like if they're not taking off you, you'd you be tempted to go oh, is it finished but like how yeah, yeah. so much work to keep going and stuff
1: totally yeah I mean that's why you really have to love the ideas or, or yeah, the characters because they do they have to kind of stand the test of time you know Or or, or you have to you know, even if you haven't read it, like when I say 11 years, you mean there's years in there we never even touched it, you know, or it was uh, abandoned and then sort of go back to it. That's the thing. You go back to it and read it and go, oh my God, this is really good. You know, this is fun or I haven't seen this idea yet. Um, So it just kind of reawakens your sort of desire to do it. But I guess that's probably the, clo- that's probably the, the one that's most likely just because it's in, you know, it's it's in the process of being developed, you know,
0: and you were saying the ghost story. I don't know. Banshees? Didn't you have like your short film about banshees? Yeah, like, yeah. Sort of a ghost story. It's kind
1: of, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I guess I mean features. That. I guess I mean features, you know. Um, but the banshee for sure. Like, I mean, and it's not for a lack of trying, you know. I've been writing banshee films since I think I got developed for one in 2004. So it was but it just didn't it didn't take off at the end. Um, but I've always wanted to do that like yeah specifically like irish ghost story you know um but yeah sometimes yeah they just you just have to wait for the their time to ripen you know
0: so we can't wait to see what is happening next so um thank you so much for chatting with us that such a great film definitely recommend it 10 out of 10 yeah.